Hello and welcome to On Air with Myrick O'Connell. I'm Howard Kaplan. This On Air podcast features attorneys from Myrick O'Connell, a full-service law firm with offices in Worcester, Westboro, and Boston. Today's topic, estate planning in a low-interest world. Our guest, Myrick O'Connell attorney Alan Falk. Alan is a member of the firm's business and trusts and estates groups. He focuses his practice on tax law and estate and business planning. Alan, welcome to On Air with Myra O'Connell. It's great to have you with us. Well, thank you, Howard, for having me. Sure. Our pleasure. Now, given we are in a low interest rate environment, are there estate planning opportunities to utilize these low rates, Alan? Yeah, Howard, there are. It's, it's interesting because there are a number of estate planning techniques that are, are based on interest rates that are provided by the IRS on a monthly basis, actually. And depending on what those interest rates are, depends on how beneficial some of the estate planning techniques are. Um, There are some that as the interest rates drop, they become less advantageous. Others, as the interest rate drops, become more advantageous. So, Ellen, how do these techniques work? If you maybe drill down just a little bit on that. Sure. So, I'll give you an example of two techniques that are, that work well in a low interest rate environment. And the first uh, is really one of my favorites, quite honestly, is what's called the grantor retained annuity trust. And the purpose of the, I want to call it the GRAT, now that's the short abbreviation for it. The purpose of the GRAT is to shift wealth to the next generation without gift tax or estate tax. Now, let me take a, let me take a huge step back in regard to where we are in the estate tax world. Right now, we're looking at a federal estate tax exemption of about $11.5 million and a Massachusetts filing threshold of $1 million. So most people looking at the federal exemption saying $11.5 million, that's that's really large. It doesn't really apply to me. Um, My estate isn't that large, Uh, particularly if you've got a husband and a wife, they each have $11.5 million. Um, so you're looking at 23 million, and I just I caution people to think: Is this permanent or is this temporary? Um, when I first started my practice, the exemption was 600 thousand per person. Now we've seen it to 11.5 million per person, roughly. Um, question is: Is that going to stay? And if so, for for how long? And I think as we're approaching elections in November, I, I think the results of the elections will will have a significant impact on what we see in the tax law going forward. And there's the very real possibility that we could see that exemption cut back. So I want to throw that out there because as we're talking about uh, reducing estate tax and gift tax, some people might think, well, with, you know, this $11.5 million exemption, I really don't have to worry. And again, I just be cautious because what Congress gives, Congress can, can take away. So anyway, so so back to the GRAT. So how a, a GRAT works is that an individual transfers assets into a trust. And in exchange for that transfer, they take back an annuity interest. Now, typically when we set up GRATs, we're doing what's called a zeroed out GRAT. And what a zeroed out GRAT means is that the value of the annuity that the grantor is taking back is equal to the value of the property transferred in. And therefore, there's no estate tax. Therefore, there's no gift tax um, on on the transfer. Now, when we calculate the value of that annuity, we have to use an interest rate um, to come up with basically what a present value is. And that interest rate is 
given by the IRS on a monthly basis, and it's referred to as a 75-20 rate. Now, the lower the interest rate, the smaller the annuity that the grantor has to take back. Right now, the interest rate is 0.4%, which is the lowest that I have ever seen it. Looked back as far as 1989, and it has never been as low as 0.4%. Now, to sort of shortcut all of the, the calculations, how I like to think of it as if the whatever asset is transferred into the to the grant can receive a rate of return greater than 0.4%, that extra return is shifted to the next generation transfer tax free. So I call it the hurdle rate. If you think you can get better than 0.4%, a GRAT is going to make a lot of sense because you're shifting it with no, with no tax cost. And quite honestly, 0.4%, I think, is is, is hopefully a relatively uh, low hurdle rate, given that you can have a GRAT that's maybe five years or 10 years long. So the hope is over that time frame, your rate of return will be in excess of 0.4%. One of the downsides to keep in mind when you're dealing with a grad is that you pick a term. So it could be a two-year grad. It could be a five-year grad. The longer the grad, obviously the smaller the annuity, the more you've locked in this low interest rate, which is great. But you run the risk of not surviving the term of the grad. So if you pick a five-year grad and you pass away in year four, most if not all of the grad assets are going to be brought back into your estate and you haven't accomplished anything. So as, as with most things in the estate planning world, there's a trade-off. You know, With a low interest rate, the longer the better because it gives you more time to grow the investment, You know, compound interest rates, et cetera. The risk is you need to survive the term in order for it to be successful. So sure. you know, that's, that's the world of a grant, kind of the, the thousand foot view of how it works. I think it's a, it's a fantastic technique right now with our really, really low interest rates. Um, they're relatively straightforward to administer. There's not an awful lot of complexity to them, um, assuming the, the assets that are transferred in are, are easily valued. So that's, that's one technique that makes a lot of sense right now. The, the next technique that works very well in this interest rate environment is a sale to a defective grantor trust. That's when a grantor sells an asset or assets uh, to the trust um, in exchange for a, a note, a note back to the grantor. And, that value, and the value or the face of the note is equal to the fair market value of the assets transferred, um, less a, what we call a 10% seed fund um, or seed money. Um, that 10% that sort of an arbitrary number that um, estate planners have suggested over the years to use. You know, we can talk about that at some other point. But what's important, I think, now is to focus on the interest rate that has to be charged on the note. And that interest rate is less than, right now, is less than 1%. And the rate that needs to be charged can fall into three categories, and it depends on the, the term of the note. If the note is three years or less, you use the short-term rate, which is 0.17%. Um, so, so the note would have a 0.17% interest rate. Uh, if it's more than three years, but nine years or less, it's midterm, which also is less than 1%. And then you've also got the long-term, which is more than nine years. And similar to the grant that we, we just discussed, I like to think of the, the note rate as a hurdle rate. 
And what you're looking to do, again, is to sort of leverage that rate and invest or have growth in the asset that's in excess of the note rate. So you've got a three-year note. The interest rate is 0.17%. You would hope that you can receive a rate of return in excess of the 0.17%. Anything in excess of that 0.17% also would transfer to the beneficiaries of the trust transfer tax-free. So again, it's another technique to utilize the low interest rate environment that we're in now. In addition, and and this quite honestly is going to apply to the graphs that we discussed previously, we're in a very uncertain environment. And uncertain environments tend to have a negative impact on valuations. So not only do we have the ability to to transfer assets um, using the low interest rates, but we also may well have the possibility of valuing the assets lower than we would have even six months ago because of the uncertainty in the uh, economic environment. So you've got uncertainty, which will have a negative impact on the valuation, and you can use a very low interest rate uh, to transfer those these assets. Again, transfer tax-free. Um, the, the downside, if you will, to using a uh, sale to a defective grant of a trust is that because we're using a, a trust that doesn't exist for income tax purposes outside of the grantor, you, you don't get a, a what we call a step-up in basis. So the trust is going to take what the grantor's basis, tax basis has been. And what the tax basis is, the number from which you would calculate any gain. So if you have appreciated property, the grantor is, is saddling, if you will, the beneficiaries of the trust with a potential tax gain down the road, unless the trust, the grantor trust, sells the asset prior to its losing its status as a grantor trust, in which case the gain will flow back to the grantor. So that that's one of the, the, the downsides of the sale is you may not be getting your, your full your full step up in basis, if you will. Right. Um, the second thing is if you if the grantor doesn't survive the term the value of the note that has been unpaid is also brought back into the grantor's estate. So you could have a situation in which the value of the note is brought back in subject to estate tax, but you don't get a step up in basis. So there is a little bit of risk doing the sale that doesn't exist in the grantor trust. Worst case scenario would be grantor transfers appreciated assets to the trust, passes away, Note is brought back into their estate for tax purposes, but the trust itself is no longer grantor trust, and it doesn't get this step up in basis that you would have otherwise received if you hadn't done the transfer. So more reason to have discussions with tax professionals as far as what the pros and cons are, and quite honestly, what is the appropriate asset to transfer into the trust as part of the sale. So again, there's a lot of moving variables, and it really – it. causes one to evaluate each situation independently, looking at the grantor's health, um, the current interest rates, which as we discussed are low, what assets are being transferred in. So, Alan, we've been talking about, and, and our theme today on, on air with Myrick O'Connell, with Alan Falk, is estate planning in a low-interest world, because let's face it, Interest rates are very low right now. Are there techniques that are less advantageous in this environment? We've been talking about things to do and downsides to those. Are there techniques that you just really shouldn't consider right now or would be less advantageous to consider, Alan? 
So there's there's one technique that, that comes to mind that I that I I'm very leery of right now, and it's called qualified personal residence trust or a QPERT. Uh, we like to use an acronyms in the estate planning world, and a QPERT in some ways is like a grant that we we just discussed, but the calculation is slightly different, and I think it's it's really in this current interest environment, it's adverse to the taxpayer. How a QPERT works is that an individual transfers their principal residence or a vacation home into a trust and retains the right to use that home for a period of time. And as with a, a grant, if they survive that period of time, the value of the of the property is out of their estate for estate tax purposes. Now, the benefit is we value that interest that the grantor retained. So if they retain the right to use the property for 10 years, we would value that 10-year right and we would reduce the value of the property transferred into the trust to come up with a, a net value of the gift. And we have the benefit of obviously reducing the amount of exemption that we would use because we're making a smaller gift. The problem is when you when you value the term interest, we use the 75-20 rate, the same rate we use in the grant. The problem is it works in the inverse with the QPER, and that is it results in a lower, a low interest rate results in a lower value of the retained interest and therefore a higher gift. So just as though this is a great time to use techniques such as the sale to a defective grant to a trust and a grant, it's less advantageous and probably not the time to be using a QPERT um, because of the, the way the calculation works with the interest rate. So I think it's interesting in that we've got two techniques somewhat similar that move in inverse directions in our current or in an interest rate environment. So one is more advantageous, the GRAT. One is less advantageous, the QPER. One positive potentially is you still have to value the real estate. And again, we're in this uncertain economic environment. Well, what is the value of the home? Can you get a lower valuation because the real estate market has moved south. Something to consider, time will tell, uh, because then again, we're, we're talking residential real estate, not commercial. So we'll see where, where that goes, but that's that's something to consider. Similar to a, a grant, you need to survive the term in a QPER, so you don't want to take, go too long out, typically. Um, also, when we, we're talking about the, the tax basis, it's the same tax basis as the grantor originally had, so we're, we're not getting a step up in basis. So it's an example of a technique that has worked well in the past, but it's worked well when we have a high interest rate, which right now is just what we don't have. Exactly. That makes perfect sense. So, Alan, just to recap things once more and summarize, tie it all together for our listeners, what are the current estate tax exemptions, and does it make sense to engage in active estate planning right now? So the current estate tax exemption um, at the federal level is approximately $11.5 million per person or $23 million per couple. That's a significant number. Most people aren't looking at a tax, the state tax at the federal level right now. 
I caution that right now because the exemption has changed considerably over the years. When I had first started practicing, it was 600,000, uh, was 600,000 for many, many years and has been going steadily up. However, depending on what we're looking at for elections in November, I think could very, could have a significant impact on what the exemption is after the election. So, what I like to say is I, I work with clients over the years and I have found constant estate planning results in positive results. And what you're looking to do is assume that you will be subject to the estate tax at some point in time um, and engage in, in the constant planning. And now is an opportunity with these interest rates to shift some assets out at little to no estate tax cost or gift tax cost. And there, again, there's the possibility that the world that we're in now on, an, on the estate tax exemption side won't exist in a year or two years from now. The possibility, we just don't know. Um, after the election, I think we maybe have a, a better a handle. Um, the other thing to consider is the federal government is spending significant money incurring large deficits. At some point, they're going to need to raise additional taxes. You know, one way to raise additional taxes is to cut back the estate tax exemption. So that's sort of the, the lay of the land at the federal level. At the state level, it's very, very different. If you're a Massachusetts resident, you are living in a state which has, number one, has an estate tax. Uh, many states no longer have an estate tax. And number two, has the lowest exemption or filing threshold of $1 million. That means once you are over a million dollars, you are paying an estate tax to the state of Massachusetts. Keeping in mind, when you use that million dollars, you're talking about retirement accounts, life insurance policies, real estate, any asset that you have some control over. So it's not all that difficult to hit that million dollar threshold, particularly when you're looking at bringing life insurance policies, death benefits into a taxable estate. And you're looking at anywhere from uh, roughly 6% to a 16% Massachusetts estate tax. Uh, good news, it's considerably less than the federal estate tax, but it is still there, and it, it comes in at a much, much lower rate. So estate planning from the federal perspective is, isn't quite as exciting as when the federal estate tax was 55% with a $600,000 exemption, but there is still some value at the at the state level to engage in estate planning. And quite honestly, depending on how uh, the exemption goes in the future, you may find it, it was advantageous to engage in estate planning in 2020 when the interest rates are still low. You don't want to lose an opportunity that, that may not be there in the future. So that's sort of like my brief answer as far as whether it makes sense to engage in, in active estate tax planning. Makes sense, Alan. And, and we are talking about estate planning in a low-interest world. We've been talking today with Myrick O'Connell attorney, Alan Falk. Alan, thanks so much for joining us today. Howard, my pleasure. I hope you learned something from it. I, I did, and, and uh, I'm sure our listeners will as well. Appreciate it very much. How can folks contact you with questions or issues or concerns? Uh, my direct email is afalk, F-A-L-K-E, at myrickoconnell.com. Alternatively, feel free to give me a call. My direct number is 508-929-1649. Excellent. Again, thank you so much. I'm Howard Kaplan on behalf of Myrick O'Connell and attorney Alan Falk. Thanks for joining us. Take care and stay safe. 
This podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Myrick O'Connell. It is intended to inform you of developments in the law and to provide information of general interest. It is not intended to constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. This podcast may be considered advertising under the rules of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. 